Good morning, everybody, and let me add my word of welcome to that which has already been given, saying thank you for being in God's house today. There may be some outside listening on the radio in the parking lot. I know there are a number of people who've told me they're listening today over the Internet. We're grateful for however you're here, in person or in other ways. But thank you for being here. Uh, we're coming to Christmas season. We're singing Christmas carols, and we love those. Did you see that last line? You may not remember it, but it said, Be born in us today. We'll talk about that later on this morning. But thank you to Tim, all the worship team. It is so good to see our stage filled up with people using their talents for the Lord. And I keep hearing of people in the congregation and hearing some of you that I know you've got talents. And shame on you for not being up here singing too. But I'll find you, and Tim will find you, and we will get you involved, whether you want to be or not. But uh, I'm glad you're here today. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So I want to begin today with a beautiful statement from Robert G. Lee, R.G. Lee. And I'm not going to be showing that picture. I don't know why that's up there. But uh, I don't know where that is. But it's a beautiful place. But uh, thank you, Tim, for putting that up there for us just to distract people from what I'm trying to say. That's all right. I've told you before. All electronics are demon-possessed. You hear me? Say it out loud with me. All electronics are demon-possessed. Don't forget that. It's true. It is very, very true. And we've seen yet another example of it today. But what is the Christmas purpose? Let me say, R.G. Lee, great pastor from yesteryear. He pastored the great Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee for many, many years. One of the greatest pastors I've ever known. He uh, ever heard of. I didn't know him. He was before my time. But I, um, I admire him greatly. And uh, he said about Christmas, Christmas is our celebration of eternity's intersection with time. That's a powerful way to put it, isn't it? But the Apostle Paul said it even better. In Galatians 4, verse 4, when he said, that God, when the fullness of time came, or when the completion of time was upon us, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. So that's an even better statement about the purpose of Christmas. What is it all about? It's about God sending His Son at the right time, in the right way. We'll talk about that this morning. We know Christmas is about God making a house call. Isn't that a good way to put it? God making a house call, and that's what he did in the form of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, there are many people who are either unwilling or unable to receive that message. Even now, across the globe, are millions of people who have not heard and are unable to hear the gospel in their own language because no one has come yet. In this time of the year, we celebrate Focus, pray for, and give to international missions so that every man, woman, boy, and girl at some point in time will hear the gospel and have a chance to receive the message of Christmas. But some people are just unwilling. We know we are surrounded by millions of people who have heard the gospel message, but they're unwilling to receive it. They're unwilling to accept it. There is no openness in their heart, in their mind, for the truth of Christ. And we live in an increasingly secular environment where people are screaming against the Christmas purpose, not open to it at all. read a sad story this week of a 
a lady who had had to put her husband into a facility. He had lost his ability to recognize and know. And it was so sad. And she, it was the first Christmas, and she and the family had bought him a present they thought for sure he would love. And she kept saying his name was John. John, please receive this gift. John, we all thought you would love it. Please accept this gift. But John did not hear that loving calling voice he couldn't understand he didn't reach out to receive the gift he was unable to and that's a sad place to be isn't it but unfortunately millions of people are able to but still refuse to receive and accept the purpose of Christmas may we not be among those persons who are unwillingly or unknowingly refuse that precious gift Turn with me this morning just to two verses of scripture and I'm going to reference a whole bunch more but I'm just going to focus on these two in the book of Galatians chapter 4. You say, well, it's not in the Gospel of John. You've gotten so used to me preaching the Gospel of John, you wonder what's going on. Well, it is the season to focus on a few other things. And we'll come back to the Gospel of John because we've got to finish chapters 19, 20, and 21. And then we'll be done with the Gospel of John. But for a while, we're going to focus on yet another part of our our story as believers and I think the story of Christmas the purpose of Christmas is powerfully and beautifully portrayed in the book of Galatians chapter 4 verse 4 and 5 look there with me and it says this but when the completion of time came now King James says I think I like it it says when the fullness of time came Fullness, the completion of time came. We're going to focus on that today. God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to do what? Verse 5, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And yes, daughters. By the way, it's not on the screen, but verse 6 is powerful. And here's what it says. It simply says, and because you are sons and daughters... God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, what? Abba, Father, Abba, which was the most beautiful personal name for Daddy. Because we've been brought into this great family, we have that precious privilege. What is the purpose of Christmas? It is that you might be able to call God Abba, Father. What is the purpose of all that he did is so that you can have a personal relationship and call him Abba Father personally. That's a powerful and beautiful purpose and privilege. Going to share three things with you briefly this morning. First of all, the Christmas purpose had its roots in heaven itself. We'll later see that it was manifest on the earth. And then we will see the most important thing for us today personally is that that Christmas purpose needs to be personalized today for each one of us. But first of all, the Christmas purpose has its roots in heaven itself. God in His amazing mercy set into motion a whole series of events that would culminate in the birth of His Son. But He set these things in motion to undo a catastrophe that had already occurred in our human history. You read about it in Genesis 3, the fall, where men, where man and woman both fell, and that terrible fall has afflicted us in every way, in every instance, ever since. And we are all living 
with the results of the fall. Some of you look around our nation and you're so deeply concerned with all the terrible things that are happening politically, morally, sociologically. You look around and you say, what's going on? Well, that's the direct result of the fall. And God set into purpose. He set into motion to accomplish this purpose, to undo that which occurred in Genesis 3. Everything, I've told you this before, everything in the Bible is divided in two parts. Not Old and New Testament, but Genesis 1, 2, and 3, and then thereafter. Because you see, what happened after that is God doing what he could do to undo the effects of the fall. So, we know he set into motion these tremendous events. So, with that in mind, a lot of things were happening even in heaven itself. First of all, there was the announcement of an angel to Zacharias. That's over in the book of Luke. We'll look at that in another week or two. Second was the conception of John the Baptist, the cousin of the Lord Jesus. And we know he would become the forerunner of the Savior himself. Number three, the announcement of the angel Gabriel, one of two named angels in all the Bible. Though there are thousands and thousands of angels, only two are named. One is Michael, uh, Gabriel, and the other is Michael. And so here, the angel Gabriel makes this announcement to that sweet young woman. Number four, the angel announced that to Joseph that his wife-to-be was going to be having a child of the Holy Spirit. And then number five, Mary's visit to Elizabeth, cousin Elizabeth. And all that that involved. And we see God working even in that instance. And then number six, the journey of the Holy Family back to Bethlehem. They had been living in the ancestral home up north called Nazareth. But to be a part of the census, they had to go back to their original home. And so they went back to Bethlehem where Jesus would be born. Things were happening in heaven itself. Things were happening the world would never understand until later. Things were happening from the portals of heaven. And God had whispered into this young woman's ear, something very special is going to happen to you. Don't you know that frightened her? Don't you know she didn't understand it at first? But he whispered in her ear what was going to happen, that she was going to carry the Christ child himself. From the portals of heaven, Christmas was contemplated and God set into motion an amazing array of activities and messages so that he could undo what had already happened in Genesis 3. So this event upon which all of history hinges was basically unheralded, unannounced, and unknown except to a small family, except to a few animals and some angels. But it had been contemplated in heaven since the beginning of time. The purpose of Christmas was contemplated in heaven. Second, we see events happening on earth. The purpose of Christmas was manifest on earth. Well, things have been happening even on earth, not just in heaven, but on earth for quite some time. Prophecies had been fulfilled in our Wednesday night studies. Over the last quarter, we talked about Bible 101. I shared with you 44 Old Testament prophecies that came true in the New Testament. 
Some of those Old Testament prophecies we see were directly related to the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Prophecies had been fulfilled. The world was prepared politically for the first time in the known world at that time. One power was in charge of almost the entirety of the known world, and that was the power of Rome. So there was the one uh, ability of one government to be in charge to have a road system, a language system, a political system that enabled the gospel to go everywhere. Even though they were not for it, they unwittingly were a part of the gospel being able to spread everywhere. So there was a political purpose that was uh, manifest even at that time. The world was also had been uh, already prepared by the existence of the Greek language because of the conquering, prior conquering of the world by Alexander the Great, making Greek a well-known language across the world. One writer even said the world had been prepared morally. Never was there such a need for the gospel as was that time. Paganism and heathenism were very much a part of the culture of the day, and so people were crying out for something better, something different. There was superstition, there was despair, there was disbelief. Philosophy had left an entire hunger for more because they were just touching around the edges of truth. They couldn't quite understand what was true and people were calling out for something else. Moral values had plummeted to a terrible low. Sounds like the 21st century, doesn't it? People were so wanting something different, something better, and the Bible just says in that one little verse, when the fullness of time came, when the completion of time came. You see, God had raised up so many things happening that it all came to a crescendo, to a point. And the Bible says when the fullness of time came, when everything was just lined up, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem us, that we might call out, Abba, Father. So God had created this purpose on heaven, in heaven, and now it manifests itself even on earth. With what? First of all, the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ in Bethlehem. That's told, story is told in Luke chapter 2, also in the book of Matthew. It's barely mentioned by Mark, and it's theologically spoken of by John. Now, I've been to Bethlehem many times. Don't always get to go there because it's on the other side of the wall. You see, Israel built a wall. and Walls are not effective unless you put one up. And in Israel, it's dramatically cut down on terrorism, by the way. So you have to go through the wall to get into Bethlehem. And there's some, been some times I couldn't go because of unrest. But you go to this massive church. Church of all nations. And I think they started building it in the 600s over the place where they believed Jesus was born. It's kind of disappointing. You go down in this grotto, they call it, in this natural cave-like place that may have been where the manger was, but it's got so many rugs and tapestries and lights hanging everywhere and incense burning. You come out of there wondering, well, was that really where? Well, we have in our minds, don't we, a stable and a, uh, a trough or a manger where the cattle would have eaten out of, where Jesus was laid. We have in our minds these kind of Hollywood ideas, 
But we know he was born. He was born in Bethlehem. His family had to, li- had to see him delivered in a stable. Second, we see the announcement the angels made to the shepherds. And always, as always, they had to say, Fear not, for behold, this day is born in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So events were happening on earth. Third, we see the visit of the shepherds to the manger as these shepherds, and there is a place there in Jerusalem today, excuse me, between Jerusalem and Bethlehem called the Shepherd's Field where they still have sheep and goats to this day. And they say it was there that the shepherds heard that announcement and they came and visited that manger. God's Son was born. So those events that started in heaven are now taking place on this earth. And that singular event that has changed all of history occurred that day. Henry Bosch, a great writer, said, Think about what's happened in history because of the birth of Christ. Just think philosophically. Philosophically, he said. Socrates taught for 40 years. Plato taught for 50 years. Aristotle, the great philosopher, taught for 40 years. Combined 130 years. But Jesus in three years. His teachings far surpass the greatness of any of those other great philosophers. But Jesus, think about it, the impact he had upon this world. By the way, he never painted a single picture that we know of. We know he drew something in the dirt one time, didn't he? John chapter 8. But we know of no picture that Jesus ever painted But the greatest paintings of Raphael, Michelangelo, Leonardo da Vinci find their greatest point when they painted pictures of the Lord Jesus. We know Jesus wrote no poetry of which we're aware. But the greatest poems of Milton and Dante and so many others find their greatest when they're writing about the Lord Jesus. We don't think Jesus ever wrote a single song, by the way. We know of no score of music that he ever penned And yet Haydn, Handel, Beethoven, Dale and I got to go to his house where he was born in Cologne, Germany. Bach and Mendelssohn, they reached their greatest when they were writing songs about the Lord Jesus Christ. So our culture has reached its highest perfection. Every sphere of human endeavor has reached its greatest because of this homeless Galilean carpenter named Jesus. That which happened on earth happened in heaven before, but I'm going to tell you as we close in this message, the Christmas purpose must be fulfilled in us. You heard the last verse of that hymn, as he is born in us. You see, Christ is reborn in the regeneration of every man, one boy, and girl who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said it well in Galatians 4.19, I travail in birth again, he said, until Christ be formed in you. Every time a boy or a girl says, Pastor, I want to give my life to Christ, no matter when a young man or young woman says yes, or an older man or woman says yes to the cause of Christ, Christ is reborn in you and the purpose of Christmas finds its fruition yet once again. When you can say with honesty and openness, Christ lives in me, then the purpose of Christ has been fulfilled. Can you say that today? Can you say with all honesty, Christ lives in me? Can you? No, I hope you can. 
Because some of you can say it with honesty. Some of you cannot say it with honesty. But when that happens, the fulfillment of Christmas occurs. When he comes into our heart, when he's crowned Christ, when we're ready to acknowledge him as master, Christmas takes on a whole new meaning. I don't know how Christmas was when you grew up. Uh, in my house, it was a pretty good time. And I'm going to tell you, I did not grow up in a happy home. I hate to say that. It's true. I did not grow up in a happy home at all and don't need to go into specifics. It was not the way it was supposed to be. Now, as a little child, I thought it was normal because that's all I knew. But as I got to be an older child, I began realizing something's not right in my house. But at least at Christmas, it was happy. At least at Christmas, everybody put down whatever they were throwing and whatever words they were using. At least at Christmas, things were a little calmer, and I was glad for that. So Christmas became important to me, and I've shared that, and my daughters are Christmas nuts. Let me just tell you, they go crazy at Christmas time. And if we allowed little Allison, she would start listening to Christmas songs about in August. And I'm telling you, they have six Christmas trees in their house. Six. Did I say six? Four of them are real, two of them are fake. But they go crazy because I taught those girls Christmas is a special time. But it's become something else in our world. A little girl named Julianne Holland, age 13, got tired of what was happening in her area of Pennsylvania years ago. And she wrote a letter to Jesus about it and put it in the post office, and it ended up on the desk of a man named Donald Orner, age 62, a Presbyterian. And in Julie's, Julianne's letter, she said, I am so tired of everybody just focusing on getting presents. I think Christmas means getting all your friends together and having a good time because Jesus was born. And that's just the beginning of all the beautiful things he did for us. By boy being born, he let love into the world. Well, Julianne, you're a smart 13-year-old girl. Well, she got a letter back from Mr. Orner. He said, Dear Julianne, there is no mail route to heaven that I know of. But I am sure that Jesus is aware of what you wrote. He knows our thoughts. He knows our feelings. In every line of your letter you express that. And I am sure Jesus knows. You said in your letter, Julianne, that you didn't think it would get anywhere. Well, it got to me. And I thank you for writing this letter, Julianne. It touched my heart. And God knows your heart, Julianne Holland. May you have a happy Merry Christmas. My friends, our world has gotten so far away from where it's supposed to be. It's gotten so far off the line of what Christ wanted it to be. But I will tell you, if you can stand and say today, Christ lives in me then Christmas is being fulfilled. It's happening the way God wanted it to happen. The wise men brought their gifts to Jesus because they believed he was the king of the Jews. They worshipped him as king. And I ask you today, do you worship him as king of your heart and king of your life? Is he savior of your life and of your heart? Would you accept the only true authentic Christmas gift 
and that salvation from our Lord Jesus Christ so that you can say, Abba, Father. Has the fullness of time come into your life? Has the fullness of time happened and have you been reborn? I'll pray the answer is yes. Would you pray with me right now? Father God, I pray for every man, woman, boy, and girl in this place that, God, we might say yes to Christ, the Christ of Christmas. We know, Lord, you started doing what you did long ago, and from heaven you began to prepare, and then on earth, and we've seen the result. Oh, God, speak to our hearts even now. May we say yes, a big yes, to salvation in Christ today. May every man, woman, boy, and girl present today be able to say with certainty, Christ lives in me. Christ lives in me. Father, I pray that in Jesus' precious name. Amen.